You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. When you bundle your renters and auto insurance with Progressive, you could save money, but it doesn't cover any terrible memories living rent-free in your head. Remember when one of your best players got injured, but not like on a play or anything? He got injured celebrating a play, and it's not like it was a game-winning play or in the playoffs, and he was out the rest of the season because he was injured while celebrating? Yeah. Sorry, we can't save you from that memory, but we could save you money bundling your renters and auto insurance with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Renters insurance and bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, with me, your uh, host, Katie Charlwood, and your co-host, Baby <laughs> History Fans, and readers of books. Yeah, yeah. So, Baby and I, we have been so busy, and someone has been very excited about this week's episode, and demanded to be my co-host for it. <laughs> yeah. So, what are we going to talk about today? Um, 40 elephants. 40 elephants, who are an all-girl gang crime syndicate in London. It is fantastic, because we support women's rights, but more importantly, we support women's... Wrong. Yes, women's wrongs. Good job. We practiced that. Didn't we practice it? Yeah. We were so proud. Basically... Oh, sorry. Okay, yo. Are you all comfy? Mommy, it's okay to me. Is it better? Oh, my bad. There you go. Sorry, I had to turn the microphone so it was facing baby here. Would you like to be in a girl gang? Yeah. A girl gang crime syndicate? Yeah. A girl gang crime syndicate in London? Yeah. Where's London? Where where Papa lives. Wait, you know what? Kind of. It's kind of where Papa lives. Yeah, that's where Papa lives. Well, that's where Papa always sends his postcards from, because that's where he goes on his holidays. You've got... Yeah, yeah, you've got postcards from the Transport Museum, and from all of the West Ham football matches he goes to. No, it doesn't. No, I didn't sell any of those. Well, that's why. That's why Baba has all those strips, the football strips. Mommy. And you've got one, remember, you've got one with your name on it? Yeah. Yeah, so... Are you all cosy under the covers? Yeah. So, um, my bed is currently covered in what now? What are these? Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Because Bubba wasn't feeling well 
And uh, what happened was, he comes in to me and he goes, Mummy, don't be mad. And I'm like, what did you do? Yeah, obviously. And um, he's like, I was sick in your bed. And I'm like, all right. Um, and he like vomited like all over my bed. So I was like, okay, it looks like I'm changing the colors. And um, then he wanted to be in beside me. So now I have dinosaur bedding on my bed. And so, so, so will I tell you all about the uh, 40 elephants? Yeah, but, the, but I have to say the 40 elephants. Okay, so. The 40 elephants. We're also called the 40 thieves. Now the reason that they. 40 elephants. Yeah, so the reason they were called 40 elephants was. Be, 40 thieves. Because they were um, from an area in London called Elephant and Castle. Now, Elephant Castle? Elephant and Castle, yeah. It, it used to be... Elephant and Castle? Elephant and Castle, yeah. Mm. So it, it used to be very, um, I want to say dangerous, because like, I think even up until the 80s, there was like gangs and stuff there. Yeah, it used to be like a dangerous place, but now it's pretty affluent because <laughs> gentrification. That's right, viva la revolution, baby. As much as I would love a revolution, unfortunately, when when things like that happen, it's usually the weakest and the disenfranchised and the impoverished people in society who suffer the most. So um, we really need to think of a better way of doing it. Yeah. But I do appreciate the fervor in which you are anti-establishment babies and i know what you're thinking you're thinking quit your jibber jabber and fact me in fact you i will so yeah and it does say 40 elephants good job so uh but of course first we have to get our source on okay so the first thing we have is alice diamond and the 40 elephants by brian mcdonald then of course we have articles from the guardian and glamour there was um, an elephant and castle gang, but it was all men. And unfortunately, originally, the women would be part of, you know, the men's syndicate. They would be working for them and they would do bits and bobs. But, you know, that usually meant they still had lack of agency. But then the women sort of branched out on their own and they became a gang on their own right. I like to see this as a kind of feminist movement. So they were looking after themselves, they were self-sufficient, and as far as we know, the first mention of the gang was in like the 1860s. So like, we're in like the Victorian era, and <coughs> so even though the first like official documentation we have of them is like the 1860s, it's generally believed that they were in existence from like the late 1700s, you know, with like the Industrial Revolution and such. Now, do you want to go to the side? Okay. So it basically had this um, like alliance with the Elephant and Castle mob, which was like men, women, children, you know, sort of everybody they could kind of get their grubby little hands on. The horses? We're going to do the 40 elephants. So the 40 elephants gang. So mm -hmm. they were thieves. Mm -hmm. And what I don't understand, baby, is that. We haven't had a movie about these people. I did. You did? When I was a baby. When you were a baby, there was a movie about them? Yeah. Well, that's a shame because I haven't seen it. You did. Did I? Yes, I did. 
And when you oh. are baby too. Baby that baby baby are you thinking about Ocean's Eight? Yeah. Okay. It's an all girl gang who steal things. Is that but don't steal things, that's not nice. But there was a special place in my heart for heist movies. I love a good heist movie. So I would love um, anything to do with this. So like, I was looking this up, and there's like no movies about these people. And there's no... Or like there was talks of a movie, and then there was talks of a TV show. Like, I was looking this up, and apparently there was supposed to be a sort of Peaky Blinders-esque show about the 40 elephants and it was supposed to be coming into fruition but that didn't happen and then there's talks of a movie but like someone get Gemma Arterton on this because if anybody's going to make this movie it's going to be her get Kira Knightley involved she loves playing characters that aren't nice housewives what made the 40 elephants gang so different than every other gang is that not only was it comprised of women but its leader was a woman it's a first call Mary Carr, who is a former artist model, she takes the helm. So you've got this time where men are running fucking everything. They've got the social, economic and political structures, but they're also running the underbelly of London. And although women were involved with like, for example, the, uh, the Elephant and Castle mob, they were, you know, only used for bits here and there. So even though the 40 Elephants gang existed it doesn't really you know it's very sort of slim pickings and it, it exists mainly as an alliance a side part to the the elephant and castle mob you know but when mary carr enters the scene in the late 1800s that's when they start to get a little bit notorious mary carr she's born so mary carr her father is this international thief and forger of bonds uh, so she grows up surrounded by crime and lest we forget this is one of the poorest areas of london and mary like the majority of the members in these gangs grew up in a life of poverty and she has a choice can she do the regular things does she beg does she get a menial job in a factory does she sell her body on the streets Mary takes a look at those options and goes, fuck this for a game of soldiers. And by the age of 14, she already has a string of convictions. Because you get to start somewhere, you're going to get caught initially. Like, you know, the 40 elephants are so closely aligned with the elephant and castle gang. She ends up becoming the, the queen. She is the mob queen. Oh, yes. Love it. Mob queens. So, so she becomes the first queen of the 40 thieves, 40 elephants, because she is so infamous for fencing. So like, she's very good at selling stolen property. Like she makes these connections, she's networking, and she's good at organizing shit. So throughout her career, so she continues this career of crime and she changes her name here and there to like Molly Maine and Polly Carr. And by 1903, she was known internationally. So with police reports calling her the notorious Polly Carr, one of the most dangerous women in the London metropolis and queen of the 40. 
So she would basically run the gang between like prison sentences until her suspected death in 1924. Joining the 40 was aspirational for women of the time because it really broke social status. Because the women who became hoisters, who became thieves, they were going to be able to support themselves. They weren't going to have to rely on men to support them because they were going to be able to have independent wealth. So, so the women were generally known as hoisters instead of just like thieves or shoplifters because they were seen as professionals. Quite a lot of them just avoided being arrested. They managed to evade capture and they had like a bunch of different aliases. They had fucking options. Also, in addition, furthermore, the women who are joining this gang, who are trying to claim this hoister status, are generally, they're already suffering economic hardship. They're in the fucking guts of London. And nobody gives a flying fuck about them. So yeah, they're going to do what they need to do. I'll help you. You are helping. What's that, baby? How many, how many hands does this lady have? Look. Three. Three. So, how has three hands? Well, see, one of them's pretend. Which one is pretend? This one out, this one here. See, this is the pretend hand. So basically, does it get that hand off? Yeah. Okay. Well, take time and use how you hand steal things from stop shops. That's right. And sometimes they have a secret bag. It was sewing in Hoscott. Yeah, so they were able to sort of pilfer things by grabbing it with their hand and popping it in their popping uh, it in their. So why does the hostel have hot and the, the fake hand? So that's one of the things they would do. See, the good thing about at the time is sort of in this period, like in the sort of still Victorian era, turn of the century. So like initially they would be like stuffing things under their bustles because they were offered more privacy. So shopkeepers wouldn't be looking at them as they were going what around. What do you mean privacy? Does he not anybody when he's peeing? Daddy? Yes. Privacy? Yes. Yes. Like that, like like not watching people pee, privacy, yes. So, because the woman would be in the shop, back in that time, it was sort of rude or not very nice to um, watch somebody. It was very impolite. It wasn't the done thing in society. So, women were afforded a little bit more privacy, so they weren't being watched, and it made it easier for them to swipe bits and pieces. What is swipe? Grab. Swipe. To grab it, to kind of take like, it. Like, like that, exactly, like that. Swiping movement. If you, if you want something, you can have it. If you tell one, one of your parents, just trying to exercise. Okay, thank you for doing yoga right now during this recording session. So it got to the point by the turn of the century that it was said a group of them could effectively strip a store in just an hour. 
Another thing they did, which was very clever, is because women tend to go unnoticed, especially lower class women, so they would pretend to be a household maid, go into a house and just take the family's valuables. So even though the ladies would would shoplift jewels and clothes and furs. Yeah. But they would never wear any of them because like stolen goods, wearing it was kind of, it was against the rules. So they followed this thing called the Hoisters Code, which was like a code of conduct, which is fantastic. So the girls would basically work in packs. So, so like, I've heard it referred to as like a military operation, like they used battlefield tactics, but the people who say this tend to be men and can't understand that. Clearly you've never seen a woman organize a family planner. Like, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Throughout history, royals across the world were notorious for incest. They married their own relatives in order to consolidate power and keep their blood blue. But they were oblivious to the havoc all this inbreeding was having on the health of their offspring. From Egyptian pharaohs marrying their own sisters to the Habsburgs' notoriously oversized lower jaws. I explore the most shocking incestuous relationships and tragically inbred individuals in royal history. And that's just episode one. On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. I'm Lindsay Holiday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. Join me every Tuesday for new episodes of the History Tea Time podcast, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Oh, I have seen some ridiculously beautifully organized shit. Uh, my girl's gone right now. She's not in the room. I've seen some glorious, glorious stuff. But yeah, so I'm not surprised they were well organized. So how they would do it, they would break down into like these um, groups of four or five. And each of these groups would be given like a patch. They were allocated. So they would cover this for a period of time before moving on to the next one. And they would do reconnaissance. So they would be like watching, you know, the department stores. They would pay attention to like new members of staff coming in or people going on when their breaks would be and what times deliveries came in, so on and so forth, when it was busier, when it was quiet. Like they took it all down. 
because they knew that you know people were catching on eventually instead of going full on artful dodger and just like nicking stuff what they would do is they would use their wee trainees their wee newbies as a distraction they'd be a decoy misdirection like Penn and Teller so <laughs> I love Penn and Teller I don't care uh, anywho so basically they'd get the wee newbies to act really fucking suspicious and they'd be like we need to see this gem in the light of day and you know other shit like that just general kind of acting a wee bit dodgy just enough to distract like the clerk or whatever so they would do this so the more experienced member could go around and just start filling their pockets and but cleverly enough they didn't just use the newbies for this they would use the proper veterans too because like the veteran thieves they would be more well known so shop assistants and security and whatever kind of security they had would be more likely to follow them around you know because they're expecting them to you know try and nick shit so while they're being followed around, their lesser-known accomplices were able to slip jewels and silks into hidden pockets in their dresses. Uh, you know how they say there's no honour amongst thieves? Well, that's bullshit. There's probably no honour amongst, like, competing thieves. But if you're allied, generally it's more of a... It is more of a camaraderie and more of a... And also, you know... Snitches get stitches, bitches, so... There was a hoister's code. So basically, the rule of thieves. So like, straight off the bat, you can't fraternise or work with the police. Because, obviously. Because um, that's a conflict of interest, clearly. Uh, then, of course, you've got... Um, you can't go, like, drinking or partying the night before a big job. Because, you know, you got to keep your wits about you. And... You can't wear anything that's hot. Like, you cannot wear any of the stolen, like, jewels or furs or whatever the hell's fuck. They had to be fenced. You could not be having that. So by the turn of the century, the, the, the 40 elephants really reaches its peak. And the leaders are... Mm, they are at the height of everything. They're so gorgeous and glamorous. Like, I would love to see... Oh... See, this is, you could make a perfect anthology series about this. No, you know, no, okay. So, so yeah, around about 1916, you have Alice Diamond, also known as um, Diamond Annie, but she had like a bunch of aliases as well. She was known as Dolly Blake, Alice Blake, so on and so forth. But she was called Diamond Annie because one, her, her real surname was Diamond, and also because she wore a slew of diamond rings on her hands. So when she punched you, you would be embossed with the marks of the gemstones. Also, diamonds are really hard and I would not suggest being punched with them. It is not pleasant. Don't ask how I know, we're just gonna move on. And it was like the police who named her Diamond Annie because she would get into fights with them. Diamond Annie, she grew up, her parents were criminals, so she too was a criminal because this is just how it works. It's Society. Diamond Annie is often referred to as formidable. You see, she was like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and this is at a time where most men were 5'6". So, so she already had like a domineering presence. So when Mary Carr apparently dies in 1924, everyone is quite happy for Annie to take over. And she sort of 
just adopts the original style, she continues it but just evolves it really. So they still have their cells working in different parts of London, um, creating a sort of network and it sort of spreads a little bit over Britain, over like the rest of Britain as well, but like mainly it's it's concentrated in London because dense population, more shops, more options, so on and so forth. So under the rule of, of Ami, like they flourish, they fucking flourish and like for the most part when any of the thieves were caught, it was only for like small thefts and they served barely any time. And and they were they were sort of tried as like, oh, uh, this is just a random shoplifter, this isn't like a gang. And so their sentences would be like pretty short and they would just be able to like get out and they'd just go back to the gang again. Like this is where it kind of gets glamorous. And like, well, I say glamorous, like glamour, as glamorous as it can be for inner city London during a horrific period of time. Like, like, one of the reasons why we're so obsessed with the 1920s is because either fucking side of it, we have pure horror. Like, that's why the whole concept of this, we just grasp onto it with both hands. But anyway, I digress. Also, in addition, furthermore, Annie decides to step things up a wee bit. So, like, in the sort of flurry of the 1920s, in the roaring 20s, she decides to really use this to their advantage. So by this time, the gangs, like especially the more experienced members, they would be dressing in finery, furs, silks, gowns, jewels, they had it all. And so they decided to use the patriarchy against itself and used blackmail to turn a profit. So they would seduce uh, the higher class men, the upper crust of society, <laughs> and would use this as a bargaining chip. So they would extort money, they would use it for to like avoid convictions, to make evidence go away, and to call in favours whenever they needed them. Because you didn't want to mess with the 40 elephants because these are hardened women who came from nothing. You do not want to mess with these ladies. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls, do what has to be done. So, so the 40, they become known for their style because they're, you know, because they're style, they're decadent, they have excess, they're trendy as hell. And they throw the best parties. Okay, that's it. If, if things go well with this podcast, okay, if things go well with the pod and things really start moving, and COVID is in the bin. Who knows when? But when COVID is in the bin, because eventually it's going to be in the bin. It's going to become manageable like the flu. It, it has to, like, eventually. But, but, I'm going to hold a 40 Thieves party. I'm going to invite 39 people. <laughs> I'm going to invite 39 women. Uh, no, I might. Well, actually, yeah. I'm going to throw a 40 Thieves party. If things go well... Worst case scenario, we'll set up a GoFundMe or something and we'll book out some weird 1920s style building and we'll have a fucking party. Yes! Love it. I'm very excited now. I've excited myself. Oh no. Cam. I love thieves! I love thieves and hoisters and... Oh, heists. I love heists. So... So basically, it's mainly Diamond Annie who really reinforces this hoisters code. 
she really, really leans into this hoisters code. So there's the stuff I said before about no fraternizing with, um, like no working with the police, no drinking before a job, so on and so forth. But also it outlines how the gang operates as well. So like, it, even though Annie is the mob queen, it's really democratic. So like there's an equal division of like money from the sale of the loot from a heist. They had pre-arranged alibis for each other so that they could, you know, cover each other's tracks. And the gang, what the gang would do is if a member was like arrested and put in prison or whatever, the gang would support and care for the family members of, you know, the convicted person of the imprisoned thief. And the guidelines were very strictly enforced because you would be shamed if you broke any of these rules. And not only would you be shamed, you would get the shit kicked out of you. They would beat you up. Like, in this little cluster, you do not want to be the person who fucks up. Absolutely not. So not only this, there was all these other rules. So like, like this is where the honour amongst thieves comes into it. It's like, you do not shag or steal another member's like boyfriend, husband, things like that. And you also do not steal their fucking money. Like that's not an option. Don't do that. That makes you a dick. Also, in addition, furthermore, the, the 40 thieves, they had a group treasury. Like the treasury, I mean, it was a, kind of like a petty cash. So like if someone was in trouble and they needed money quick, they would help them out. But it was also used to like pay for like solicitors and lawyers and stuff. So their legal fees effectively would be covered by the gang. Yeah, so Annie also had a way of dealing with like interlopers. So if you were not part of the 40 Thieves gang and you were on their turf and you were hoistering, pickpocketing, etc, etc, you had two choices. Like they would be, you would either pay like a fee, you would get like, you know, they would, they'd take a cut, right? You could either give them a cut or they could beat seven bells or shit out of you. Yeah? Yeah. So, uh, so like this gang were really brutal. They were as brutal as any of the male gangs of the era. But like the newspapers of the time, they just kept pumping out like, kind of like fluff pieces. They're like, oh, these bright young things, the gorgeous party girls of the era. Like it's all that kind of shit, but it's, <laughs> But I would not want to piss off Diamond Danny or any of those girls. Mm -mm -mm -mm. The glamour was like a goal and an illusion. So it was aspirational, but it was also a distraction. So because they were seen as being these beautiful ladies and ha ha ha, so fancy, it really helped them, but it also helped distract from the absolute shit they were throwing about. Like, like how bloody they were. Like how bloody tough and aggressive they were. Like, oh. But because like the press are constantly writing about this gang, the better known of the 40 elephants, they're recognized, especially within London. So they start expanding out with. Diamond Annie, she had some control issues. Like it's good that she kept everything organized, but it got to a point where she was micromanaging everything. And as we know, that is not a good place to be. The thing about the Hoisters Code is, it was basically like my way or the highway when it comes to Annie. And a member married a man that she didn't approve of. In 1925, 
she leads the gang in this bloody brutal assault against the newlyweds, right? And it basically turns into the Lambeth riot. And because, like, Diamond Annie instigated this, she ends up in prison for, like, a year and a half. And by the time she comes out, a new queen's taken over. So Annie's like, right, okay, fine. And she, she doesn't quite get the heck out of Dodge. She decides to do the most logical step and manages a brothel. So there she is running this house of ill repute, but she's also teaching aspiring young thieves. So like, so one of the girls who's like under her tutelage, Shirley Pitts, ends up becoming the queen by like the 1960s. But the gang ends up with like a smaller operation that changes different stuff because like fashions are changing and it's more difficult to like hide shit in your dresses when, you know, many skirts come into fashion. And then of course you've got like surveillance cameras and all that comes into it. Membership for the gang had been sort of declining steadily. So by 1992, when Shirley Pitts dies, the 40 Elephants becomes officially disbanded. And by the time, you know, she does pass, the 40 Elephants gang is treated like a folk legend instead of, you know, what it was, which was an actual threat. So like, well, male gangs would like start and end and grow up and die around them. Like, between Carr and Diamond, the 40 Elephants was one of the most successful and longest running criminal syndicates in English history. Ah, and that is the story of the 40 Elephants. What did we learn today? We learned that if you want a job done right, get a woman to do it. When society puts up barriers and restrictions on the lower rungs and members of society, sometimes they have no option but to break the rules. If you like my retelling of this tale of these girl gangsters, feel free to rate and review five stars on Apple Podcasts. And also, you can review on Spotify now, so five stars. Give us five stars. Yay, thank you. Thank you. Don't forget you can follow me on many of the social medias, on Instagram and TikTok, I am who did what no pod, and on Twitter, I am who did what no PD, because there wasn't enough characters. And if you're thinking, wow, I want to follow you on social media and interact with you, bring up your engagement, but I also want to like rate and review five stars, or maybe you've done that, and you're thinking, what can I do? I want to give more. Well, what you can do is go over to patreon.com slash who did what no pod, and join one of the tiers and get some fun stuff. Or if you want to do like a one-time donation, you can always go to go to paypal.com and it's who did what now pod at gmail.com. So yeah, I really want a 40 Thieves like TV show. Because I feel like you could really do a really good anthology. Like and really give and really portray these women well. Give them a fully fleshed out story. Make them well-rounded characters. And also feature lots of amazing heists. I love me heists. Love them so much. I want it so much. And now it's time for recommendations. So for reading, I am going to recommend Modern Women on Trial, Sexual Transgression in the Age of the Flapper by Lucy Bland. For watching, I know some of you may have Star Wars fatigue, but it's got Ming-Na Wen in it. What else do you need? And for listening, um, I've been listening, no, you know what? What have I been listening to? Uh, okay, I've been listening to the Tick Tick Boom soundtrack. 
Okay, and now that I've done that, I'm going to bid you farewell. So, adios, au revoir, au revoir, zen, my friends. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.